beautiful tomorrow, shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow. Hello and welcome to Of Mice and Main Street Men. I am Tristan. And I am Sean. With us today <laughs> is Jeff Barnes. That's right. Today we are lucky enough to be joined by the one and only Dr. Disneyland, Dr. Jeffrey A. Barnes. Dr. Barnes, Jeff, how are you, sir? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing great. We're so excited to have you here. Um, this is so cool. This is our, our first interview uh, with someone in the Disney universe, and in, I think it's so appropriate that it's you, man. This is so great. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I've I know of you because of a number of Disney podcasts, and uh, so we, you know, people that listen to the show probably have heard your story about the Disneyland history course and how that came to be. But I was fascinated to learn that you didn't actually like the park on your first visit. That's right. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, sort of my uh, Disneyland origin story, if you will. I um, I went for the first time. I was in grad school up in the San Francisco Bay Area and went down to L.A. in August of 1988, um, stumbled into the park, had no idea what I was doing um, around <laughs> 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning, August of 1988. And they had been running advertisements promoting the latest, newest, greatest attraction, which was Star Tours. And <laughs> I, I had been to Walt Disney World when I was a kid growing up in the Panhandle of Florida. So I, I knew that Star Tours was in Tomorrowland. And I knew that Tomorrowland was to the right of Main Street, USA. And so I, I, I go looking for Star Tours and I asked a cast member um, exactly where the attraction was. And, and the cast member says, well, the good news is you're, you're in the right place for the ride, the wrong place for the line. And uh -huh. they then redirected <laughs> me back to the beginning of Main Street USA. And we then waited more than three hours wow. for our wow. Disneyland ride. <laughs> now to put that into perspective, I, I could get on a flight from LAX and almost fly to Walt Disney World in Orlando in that amount of time today, <laughs> right? That that is some tenacity on your first visit. Good yeah. for you, sir. And, and and I am not a patient person. I, I I've never lost my patience. You can't lose what you don't have, right? So <laughs> um, yeah, and, and and so you know it was it was well after two o'clock before we got off that first attraction and of course by now the park's even more crowded it's even hotter and by the time we left there late that sunday night i was i was done i i, I freaking hated that place and if you had told me <laughs> that night that 35 years later i'd be doing what i'm doing now i would have said you're absolutely <laughs> nuts <laughs> well because I, I have I have been to Disneyland, but but my my incorrigible co-host has never been there. No. I know um, I haven't. Tristan, um, I know, I know. And and you know, Ooh. certainly certainly as the park where Walt <laughs> stood once upon a time, it has a special place in my heart. But so, how did you get? You know what what was the sort of was there a wow moment when you began to shift from the horrible yes. place that wasted your Sunday? <laughs> Yeah. To, to where you stand today? 
Yes. So um, I, um, I I stayed in California long enough to sort of get um, indoctrinated by the locals. And Cal- Disneyland's always been a locals park. And I, I was returning in 1991. And by that point, I'm like, man, like this place means something to these people. What, what did Jeff miss that everybody else is all in on? And so I got super curious. And, and Walt never got past ninth grade in his formal education. And he was asked one time, well, what does it take to be successful? And even though I was in higher education for more than two decades, he didn't say, oh, you need a degree. You, you need a bachelor's degree. You need a master's degree. You need a PhD. No, Walt said it comes down to four C's. And for Walt, those four C's were confidence, courage, consistency, and curiosity. And I got curious before that second trip. What did everybody else fall in love with that Jeff missed? And so I started reading up on Walt. And that's when I discovered, not born successful, none of us were either, right? Um, Difficult childhood, difficult relationship with his father, more failures than successes, made the decision. And, And so many of us, we think our success is determined by circumstances. No, it's determined by our decisions. Walt made the decision to be the hero in his own life story. And that's why he built the park. He built the park, Sean and Tristan, for the purpose of telling stories, stories that I am now convinced are challenging us to go out and live our own great story. And so I fell in love with Walt's story. And then when I went back, I realized that the park is a living, breathing storytelling machine. And, and once I realized that, oh my, I, I was all in. And, 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 and I, I saw it through the lens of story and, and I, it, 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 it was just literally a, a life-changing experience. Yeah. I've, I've been in love with, with Walt and his story since I was much younger and I had never been to a Disney park until I was 30 years old. And uh, that was the first time I went to Walt Disney world. And I still have never been to Disneyland, but Jeff, I'm going to get there. I promise. Um, and something you write about in the book, and if I can go down a little bit of a tangent, is your the park bench philosophy is what I've been calling it, because I've been living by this for a while. Because I picked up your book during the pandemic was when I first got it. And I am an artist. I am an actor professionally, and that's what I do. So when the pandemic hit, I lost all this work in a year. And so I was trying to find anything I could to f- figure out some sort of inspiration to keep going. I picked up your book. And that chapter, you talk about the park bench and how it's your favorite attraction and all that. I was like, oh, I just need to get off my park bench, just like you say in several of your videos, which I'm telling you, I'm a big fan. Um, So, (laughs) and it's the reason I actually decided to, uh, part of the reason I decided to open the theater that I'm sitting in it right now. My wife and I run a small cabaret theater here in Davenport. And the whole reason we decided to open that was because I was like, you know, I keep talking about doing this, but I just need to get up and do it. And so... Mm-hmm. Kudos to you. Thank you for that. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the the finding your park bench philosophy and, and how that important that is. So, um, well, well, one, thank you. And and two, I, I think, you know, the pandemic um, shut so many of us down and um, forced us onto our park benches, if you will. 
And, um, you know, and and so let me just retell the story for um, our listeners who might not be aware. Um, You know, Walt um, in the 1940s uh, was a Hollywood movie mogul, a household name, but I think most importantly, the father to two young girls. And every Saturday afternoon was daddy's day. And so Walt would take uh, Diane and Sharon, his daughters, um, around in Southern California. And sometimes they go to the beach, sometimes they go to the museum, sometimes um, they'd go uh, to places around the mountains here in Southern California. But over time, their favorite place to go uh, was a little merry-go-round in nearby Griffith Park. And Walt would put the girls on the merry-go-round and he would sit on a nearby bench and the girls would ride that merry-go-round over and over and over again while Walt sat on the bench eating peanuts. And, and as Walt would tell the story, one day while sitting on that bench, he had an idea. What many would come to believe, to include his own wife and his own brother, a crazy thought. It was on that bench he began to dream of a place where parents and children could have fun together. So it was on that bench, Tristan, that the dream of what we know of Disneyland or really any Disney park anywhere in the world, it was on that bench that the dream of Disneyland began. And that bench sits on Main Street inside the Main Street Opera House next to great moments with Mr. Lincoln. And it was President Lincoln who once said, you live the life you think about. And, and, and so we, we, we are bombarded with thousands of thoughts a day, right? But how many of us are taking action on our thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so for me, you know, when I came back on that second trip to Disneyland, I told someone in, in the summer of 1991, I'm going to write a book on Disneyland one day. I didn't do it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't think anybody would care if I did it. I, I didn't know how to publish it. I didn't know how to market it. I didn't know how to sell it. And, and then some 20 years later, I had the idea that I would teach a college course on Disneyland. But, it, but again, I, I, was, I was too scared to ask for permission to, to teach what I came to refer to as my quote unquote Mickey Mouse class. We, we all have <laughs> ideas. But do we have the courage to get up off of our park benches and take action on those ideas? And so Walt said it, all of our dreams can come true if what? If we have the courage to pursue them. And so I say this in my keynote, we can always overthink, but we can almost never overact. And so my challenge in my keynotes, my challenge in the book, my challenge to my students in my history of Disneyland is to get up off of the park bench and start taking action. That's beautiful, right? Yeah. There. That's the reason I'm such a big fan of Jeff Barnes right there. <laughs> what what am what amazing advice. And and you you've touched on this already. You mentioned that so much of Walt's story comes from his failures. And, and one of the things that you have said is that the bigger the dragon, the better the story. What, what sort of, you know, can you sort of distill that down for the listeners? Yeah, so um, in, in the midst of Walt's failures and yes, successes, 
Um, he most wanted to be remembered as a storyteller. He, he didn't want to be remembered for Mickey Mouse. He didn't want to be remembered for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. He didn't want to be remembered for Disneyland. He wanted to be remembered as a storyteller. And to this day, Hollywood remembers him as their town's best storyteller. The challenge with that is when we think of story, we think of what? Happily ever after endings. Well, that's not a story. A great story requires conflict. And, and if there's no conflict, then it's just middle-aged men. It's me, it's Tristan, it's Sean living in the suburbs, driving Volvos. Nobody fucking <laughs> <really> cares. <laughs> there's got to be conflict. There has to be a dragon. There has to be a fire-breathing dragon in order for the audience to be interested, in order for the audience to be engaged. And, and as much as we love story, that's why we read the books, it's why we go to the movies, it's what keeps bringing us back to Disneyland over and over and over again. When it comes to conflict in our own life and in our own story, most of us want nothing to do with it and we run as far away as possible. And that's why we're bored with our own lives and it's why we're bored with our own stories. Yeah, yeah. We should go find more dragons, Tristan. Yeah, we <laughs> I need to find a few more. And dragons. not the little purple figmenty kind. Something oh, that sure. breathes fire. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 so here's the deal: um, if if you're going to get up off of your park bench, if you're going to maybe not change the world, but at least change your world, um, you're choosing the hero's path, and I promise you. Not only are you going to find the dragon, guess what? The freaking dragon's going to find you. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the how bad do you want it kind of moment. Yeah, yeah. I, you're, you're, you're just brilliant. Um, and your Disneyland course that you mentioned a little bit ago, like that sounds so incredible. But I got to wonder, you know, what were some of the most fascinating things you learned while researching for that class? Um, because, I mean, you must have found all kinds of cool stuff, right? Oh, I keep finding stuff. Yeah. So I, I, um, so, so I, I, I taught the class for, um, for years at the university here in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And then um, now it's been shifted to an online format available to anyone anywhere in the world. And I, I write a weekly Wednesdays with Walt blog. And there's just constant content and constant stories um, from the park, from Walt's life, it's just a treasure trove. And, you know, I mean, first of all, the, the fact that they built the thing in a year, I, I mean, today, Disney can't build a Starbucks in a year, right? <laughs> I mean, I no, mean they can't. For, like, like take, take Walt Disney World. Yeah. I mean, they built Walt Disney World in five years. Tron <laughs> took longer than that. And, and they built, you know, phase yeah. one in, in the same amount of time. Um, you know, one of, one of my favorite stories, and, and this might not seem like much, um, but it, it's just little nuggets like this. You, you watch the opening day broadcast. And, um, you know, my students always love seeing that because for them, um, you know, 1955 might as, might as well be 1555, right? <laughs> um, and, and, and Ronald Reagan comes on this dream because he was like the third MC that day and they're like ooh how did how did 
Walter, how did Walt Disney get the president of the United States to help him open Disneyland? And I'm like, go <laughs> down. You know, Ronald Reagan was at best president of the Screen Actors Guild at the time. He wasn't president <laughs> of the United States yet. Um, he, he was going to be president when Epcot opened in 1982. But, you know, we're, we're, we're 25 years away from him becoming president of the United States. But then um, there's there's a dance scene in Frontierland where, um, you know, Fess Parker playing um, uh Help me here, uh, Daniel Boone. Oh, Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett. That's it. I, the I, I, I didn't want to say Daniel Boone because I knew that was wrong. Um, he's playing Davy Crockett, and um, it, it, they're they're doing it to the number, the dance number. Um, Bang went all Betsy. Which, first of all, the the political incorrectness of that today <laughs> is, is just shocking. But secondly, whoever was responsible. For, for bringing the rifle from the studio to the park that day. I mean, he had one job and, and he forgot to bring the rifle. And so they end up calling Walter Knott of Knott's Ferry Farm, which is nine miles away. And Walter Knott, instead of being freaked out that he's getting some competition with the opening of Disneyland, is actually friendly to the idea because he recognizes that a rising tide lifts all ships. And this is going to be great for Orange County and ultimately great for Knott's Berry Farm. So he's welcoming Walt, Walt Disney, and he's welcoming the opening of Disneyland. He plans on attending the opening. Well, Walter Knott has a great gun collection. And so Disney ends up calling him and saying, hey, we're in a bit of a bind here. The dude who was responsible for bringing the rifle for a dance number for the live opening day broadcast forgot to bring it. Do you have <laughs> one that we can borrow? And Walter Knott is like, oh, sure, no problem. And he ends up bringing the gun for the opening day live broadcast. I just love those kinds of stories. And yeah, that's a great story. The more you read and the more you research, the more you learn and discover just fun little tidbits like that. I love that. Oh, that's so that's, great. That is amazing. And so... So I know you mentioned that the that the class is now available online. Yes. And, and now I'm more intrigued than ever to maybe take it myself. It's like, yeah, is it is it strictly go at your own pace or are there certain times? And and I know Tristan will be good about like putting the links out there so people yeah, can find yeah. it. But so it's it's both. You can you can take it um in an evergreen format where you consume the content, watch the videos at your own pace. Or you can do it with quote unquote office hours um, and meet with me and a community of other diehard Disney fans. And there's a limited window for when we offer that version. And we we actually happen to be offering that version right now. Um, and we're doing a Disney 100 special on that version um, this week. And it's going to be starting um, a week from tomorrow night. So um, if you and your listeners are interested in that, this is a great chance um, to, to get in on that. So, wow. um, and, and again, I don't know exactly when this is going to air or, you know, when your uh, listeners. This week, so yeah. 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 Um, but um, it, it, it's a, it's an eight, it's an eight week course. And on, on Tuesday nights at 6 PM uh, Pacific time, you, know, you, you consume the content on your own. But then we gather and discuss what you watched, what you read, 
of what you consumed and we, we talk about it. But I think the best part of all of that is everybody shares their own um, Disney memories, what the company and what the parks mean to them. And it just becomes a shared space for you know how much all of that means to you not just as an individual but really as a family yeah and we we talked about um oh god i yeah you're just you're just amazing um we talked about uh, the wisdom of walt but you have your new book beyond the wisdom of walt is available now too right and right. that focuses more on the florida project and what prompted the creation of that second book then so um <sighs> Like I said, um, I, I said in 1991, I was going to write a book on Disneyland, and I didn't do it until I taught um, the history of Disneyland the first time. And then when I finally got it out, I'm like, whoo, we're never doing that again. <laughs> and then the book was so successful, my publisher was like, look, um, we got to do another one, particularly for folks on the East Coast who want their own book about Walt Disney World. And I'm like, I get it. But unless I can find completely different stories and completely different life lessons applicable to Walt Disney World, I, I'm not just going to do it to do it. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, I, di I, I, I did. Um, and I'm like, OK, this is this is a completely doable project. <laughs> and in, instead of it taking 20 years, um, you know, we, we managed to get it out um, in, in, in two years, which was, was pretty amazing. Um, and I actually loved doing that project because I knew what I was doing this time. And it wasn't this, you know, 20 years of, 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 of angst. And um, yeah, I, I had a lot, of, a lot of fun with that project. And now I just, signed, I just signed a contract for a third book which is going to be Wednesdays with Walt. Um, and, and the W-E-D in Wednesdays is going to be all caps for WED, was nice. the original name for Imagineering. Ah. And it will have 52 stories in it uh, because WED was founded in 1952 and there's 52 Wednesdays in a year. So that'll be a, a, a nice fun that. collection or compilation. And um, ultimately the wisdom of Walt uh, will be a trilogy with the third book being the worldwide wisdom of Walt, which will focus on the international parks and the cruise ships. Um, but I've, I've got to get to the Asian parks, which has been a real ch challenge since the pandemic. Yeah. 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 Did, did you tend to find that there was more information available to you on the Florida project since it was more recent or? No, and, and um, quite the contrary. Um, there is way more um, history on the on Disneyland than there is on Walt Disney World, and 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 th and that's the um, so it's interesting you ask that question, Sean, because my commitment was I I didn't want to write another Disneyland history book. There, there's tons of, of them out there, and I didn't really feel like I could add to that space, nor did I want to write another Disney business book? Um, I've never worked in corporate America. I didn't really feel like I had anything to say in that space either. My goal was um, to really tell Walt's story and to tell the stories from the parks that I think we all love as guests and to do it in such a way that really sparked um, and motivated and inspired the reader 
to elevate their own story. And, and in doing so, share some of my own life story, which was a bit of a risk, to be honest with you. Um, and I wasn't really sure how that would resonate in the marketplace, but it worked. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I, that I didn't do another Disneyland history book and I didn't do another Disney business book that I, I wrote something that really felt right for me, that was unique and um, been rewarded as a result. What, yeah. what maybe was one of those stories that you were just surprised as all get out to find out about Florida that, or, you know, and, and how that sort of affected your take on things? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think my favorite story from Florida is um, the one about Dick Nunes and um, how, like, <laughs> so, you know, Disneyland gets built in a year and they have the whole Black Sunday, um, you know, everything that could go wrong, did go wrong, you know, July 17th, disaster, right? And now here they are, um, you know, they, they've got five years to, you know, do Florida. They, they break ground six months after Walt dies. And yet I, I say all the time, Disneyland was the dream. Walt Disney World was the miracle. I mean, I mean Orlando was nothing. I mean, there's a reason why there was 27,440 acres available in the middle of Central Florida. Nobody in their right mind wanted to live there. And... <laughs> You know, they're trying to turn that swampland into a, 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 a magic kingdom. And, and they're really, really, really struggling to make um, October 1st of 1971. And, and eventually they called Dick Nunes in California and they're like, um, we're not going to make it if you if if you don't come out here. And um, he says, I'll come. But you need to understand that when I call and say I need something, it, it, it means I needed it yesterday. And, and he gets out there and, and the morning that they open, he's on the lawn of the contemporary resort telling people green side up, meaning installing the sod, um, because that's how close they were to not making the opening on television. Wow. Wow. That's a great, that's a great story too. And so ha has researching these books kind of opened up a lot of doors that were once closed to you? you know, I imagine on the first one, some doors kind of creaked open, but the second one, people were like, actually, yeah, come in and talk to us. Have you oh. found that to be true? Oh yeah. I, um, yeah. I mean, I've done events with Disney legends, Disney Imagineers. Um, you know, I get invited to, you know, club 33. I mean, I, I, I pinch myself sometimes. Yeah. Opportunities that that I get. Um, so one of my seminal stories in my keynote is how the very first time I ever went to Walt Disney World, I was um, 10 years old in August of 1974. And we're on the monorail headed to the Magic Kingdom, going through the Contemporary Resort. And it stops there in the lobby. And I look out and, and, and my jaw drops. And, and I say to my parents, what the heck is this? And, and, and they responded to me, well, it doesn't matter what this is, Jeff, because this, it's, it's, it's not for us. And it's not for us instantly meant we couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. It's not for us meant 
our family of six, we spent the next three nights at the Days in Kissimmee. And it's not for us, meant Jeff spent the next 42 years. It didn't matter how many times I went to Walt Disney World, it didn't matter how many times I got on the monorail, headed to the Magic Kingdom. It didn't matter how many times I went into any and every other Walt Disney World hotel and resort. I never once stepped into the Contemporary Resort, ever, ever, because I had the limiting belief of what? It's not yeah, for us. Yeah. And, and, and now, now I do events with Disney legends, Disney Imagineers, Disney executive vice presidents on a stage with thousands of Disney fans in front of me in the contemporary resort. And for 42 years, I never stepped foot in there because I believed it, quote unquote, wasn't for us. Wow. Isn't that yeah, well, that's that's amazing. And, uh, you know, they're lucky for us. There's a few things on YouTube where like they, you know, they showcase you speaking. There's actually a really great one. It's about 25 minutes long from Speakers Inc., I think is what it was. Um, and one of the things you talk about is the whole idea that you just kind of have to jump off the cliff and figure out how to fly on the way down. And I love that. And I love that Walt Disney himself, you know, in his stories have those lessons, but yours does too. And, you know, I got to wonder, you know, looking back at the first time that you were like, well, I guess we have to go back and tell the, the story about your tumor and everything else to get into that, I suppose. Uh, but uh, just talk about that a little bit and how you were like, no, I've got to finish this class because that story <laughs> is awesome, man. Yeah, so um, so I, I um, asked for permission to teach my quote unquote Mickey Mouse course. And I get it. I, I worked for a year. Um, syllabus, curriculum, guest lecturers, textbooks, field trips, um, lay it all out. Because again, you know, it, I, I want to take it seriously as a legitimate cross-discipline history academic course. I give the first lecture. It's freaking awesome. The students love it because whatever idea you've got kicking around in your head, it doesn't just matter to you. It matters to others as well, right? Because like Disneyland was Walt's dream. How many millions more love it as well, right? And then the very next day, I was diagnosed with a life-threatening brain tumor. And it was a Friday. Neurosurgeon told me I had the weekend to get my affairs in order and told me I had to be back on Tuesday for brain surgery. And because of the invasiveness of the surgery, I, I was gonna be out of work for two months. And I, I quickly did the math, knew that if I did what he was saying, the course that I dreamed of teaching for forever would be immediately canceled, probably wiped from the schedule, never to be seen or heard from again. And um, this is the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Walt Disney Company. It's also the 100th anniversary of Walt going bankrupt, boarding a train in Kansas City to come to California and boarding that train with $40, a single suitcase and a one-way ticket. Well, when I committed to teaching that course, I thought like Walt boarding that train, I was all in $40, single suitcase, one-way ticket. 
And so with that mindset, I, I looked at the neurosurgeon and said, sorry, doc, Tuesday, not going to happen. And he was like, well, what are you doing? So important, so significant that you're willing to put off brain surgery and risk your life. And I said, well, I'm a doctor too. I have class. <laughs> and, and he walked me through it again. Well, what class are you teaching? So important, so significant. Again, you're willing to put off brain surgery and risk your life. And now to this day, I don't know if he was thinking organic chemistry, maybe molecular biology, but guys, when I said history of Disneyland, <laughs> I, I, I thought he was going to kill me before the brain tumor ever had a chance. But, but that was the moment when I knew that more than an idea, crazy thought, or even a dream, this had become my life's passion. And, um, you know, to, to take the song from Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, nothing was going to stop me now. I love that. Wow. I, love I, that. I played that song twice yesterday just because I needed it. <laughs> I needed to hear it. Um, well, it's clear. I mean, this, all your stories are fascinating and, and, you know, I, I know we, we certainly value your time and we're going to be wrapping up soon, but clearly this whole Disney journey has changed your life significantly. I'm just, I'm curious, maybe what are, what are the things you cherish most about where your path has come based on your association with Disney as to where you might've ended up had you just hated Disneyland after your Star <laughs> Tours experience and never gone back? You know, um, I, I, there, there's three thoughts there. First of all, I um, I often think, what would my life be like if I had gotten on Star Tours in five minutes or less? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and Tony Robbins says this, life is working for you, not against you. And, um, you know, as, as, as much as I hated that three hour line, it, it gave me one of my greatest gifts, which is a story that propelled me into what today is my career. I, I get to write and speak and travel and um, pursue what has become my passion, which is, is, is Disney. Like this is this is all I do. I, I don't do uh, university administration anymore. Um, I, 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 I love teaching. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, that came with, you know, a lot of crap that, you know, over time, you, you don't want to have to deal. I don't have to deal with any of that anymore. So that so that's great. Um, you know, secondly, I get to go to the parks whenever I want. And a lot of times I get paid to go to the parks. It's a dream job. I mean, I, I was in Orlando last month and stayed at, you know, Coronado Springs and, and got to speak to a great group of dry cleaners. And I wasn't paying to stay. They were paying me. Like, where do I sign up? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and I get to, you know, I get to go to Disneyland. I get to go to Walt Disney World and talk about what I love and change lives and change companies. All because I waited too long in a Star Wars line, right? <laughs> um, but I, I think third, um, you know, between the books, 
in between the keynotes and, and even Wednesdays with Wall, I'll hear from people three, four, six, seven times a month. And, you know, I'll say something that I think is a throwaway line or a, a throwaway article. And I'll, I'll get a message back. Um, you know, I lost my job. My partner left me. I'm having a health crisis, whatever it may be. And you know, what you're doing, you know, got me through this past week or it got me through the past two weeks or like, you know, Tristan picking the book up during the pandemic and, um, you know, please don't, don't, don't stop. You know, it, 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 it matters. You know, I was having a really, really, really hard time in January of, of 2021. And um, I, I was thinking of, you know, just stopping and, and doing something completely different. And um, I, I had the thought that morning, you know, if, if I don't get a sign soon that um, there's a reason to keep pursuing this path, then I just need to find another path. And I got an email that afternoon from a woman in Houston saying she saw my keynote and her husband had just treated her horribly and then committed suicide in front of her and her kids Memorial Day weekend of 2015, left her financially destitute, and she was now a single parent trying to put both of them through college. And my message and my keynote and, you know, my books and my writing, because she was such a huge Disney fan, gave her the faith to keep moving forward. And it ended with whatever you do, don't stop doing it. Well, how do you stop? Yeah. <laughs> when you said, give me a sign, right? <laughs> there yeah. it is. Yeah. Wow. You no, get them direct. I, you ask yeah. for it, you get it. Yeah. So I don't ask anymore because sometimes you don't, you know. Yeah, be careful what you ask for. Well, and I'll, t I'll tell you, when I reached out to you, you know, to be on the show and then be on this podcast, I was not expecting you to be, yeah, I didn't know what to expect, but I was like, this guy is going to be like, who is this kid? Whatever. And you were so nice and so kind. And it blew, like, I, I texted Sean right away because I was so excited about it. I was like, oh my gosh, Jeff Barnes said yes. And it was so exciting for me. So, well, it, it's, it's funny, it's Tristan. Great. I I hear that a lot. That people are like they take forever to get back, and you know, and and then they're a jerk when. They, and I'm just like, how hard is it to to respond, and how hard is it to be nice? Yeah, I love it. So, one final question here before we get to our little encore, but it's our corn dog question, Jeff. Oh, and I'm we, sorry, Jeff. He, we we assessed. We love I a good corn dog here on Mice and Main Street, man. And we want to know: Have you had the Sleepy Hollow corn dog over in Magic Kingdom at Disney I have, World? I I have not. Okay, so at some point we're going to have that together, so I can see what you think of it. We're big. Well, and at big some point you're going to come to California, go to yes. Disneyland, and take the Doctor Disneyland tour of Walt's yes. original Magic Kingdom. I I'm down. I'm hopefully going to be out there in October. But we'll, we'll we're see we're working on him. We're getting him yes. out o there. October might well be the best time at Disneyland. Okay. Well, that's kind of my plan right now. So I'm excited. All right, Sean. So he did not try the corn dog. 
So hasn't tried the corn dog. He has that to look forward to, Tristan, (laughs) in his life of Disney experiences. He still has the Liberty Tree corn dog to look forward to. I am going to get messages about that question later for people being like, why did you ask Jeff Barnes about a corn dog? Really? That was your sum up? No. Yeah. No, Tristan. All right. (laughs) Are we ready to try out our brand new individual lightning lane rapid fire question series? All right. We just, we sort of came out, as Tristan said, we are both performers. I've watched Inside the Actor's Studio forever. I'm actually a Colbert fan who started his own Colbert questionnaire. And I'm like, why don't we have a Disney version for our Disney guests? So we came up with 10 questions. You are the first, you are our first guest to get these asked. You can give us our feedback later. Tell us if it was your (laughs) highlight or you hated it to death. But just, you know, whatever comes to mind, there are no wrong answers except for one. Tristan knows what it is. But anyway, um, let's start out. Uh, your favorite Disney character? Dumbo. Oh, good one. Good Interesting. One. I love that. That's great. Uh, what's your favorite attraction? Space Mountain. Ooh, good one, too. At, at Disneyland. Uh, ooh, ooh. Good, nice touch, because, man, that soundtrack. I love it. Uh Mickey or Donald? Mickey. I knew I liked him, Tristan. <laughs> uh, favorite animated film? Dumbo. Ooh, Dumbo. Good. Good. I think I know the answer, but <laughs> Disneyland or Disney World? Disneyland because it hugs you. Walt Disney World swallows you. Oh, that's good too. Wow. What's your, <laughs> what's your favorite park snack? Uh, Mickey Bar. Oh, yeah, Mickey Bar. Good. It, it, in Florida. Oh. Okay. So I did an event for Nestle, and they confirmed they're better in Florida versus Disneyland because of the humidity. They melt a little faster. Oh. Which changes the consistency. I love that. Uh, who's the best Disney villain? Oh, Jafar. Oh, Jafar, good. Made good. his appearance on Saturday Night Live. Well, hold on. I, 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 was, I was about to say, um, right now it might be DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and what's your favorite Disney song? Oh, um, that's tough. Our Town by James Taylor in the movie Cars. Oh, uh, that is a good one. Nice. Oh, nice. All right. All right. Drinking around the world. Do you go left or do you go right? Left. Ooh, left. Yeah. And good three job. words you think of when you hear the word Disney. Um, resiliency, magic, and imagination. That's perfect. That is perfect. Awesome. Thank good. you Jeff- so much for talking yeah, to Jeff- us. And- sharing this with our listeners yeah and and tell you know tell our our listeners where they can find you i'm assuming most of them have but in case they have not go ahead and tell us where you can find all your information sir so you can find me at uh thewisdomofwalt.com and if nothing else sign up for my free wednesdays with walt newsletter Uh, you'll get an inspirational motivational email each and every wednesday Uh, My books are available on Amazon. Again, The Wisdom of Walt, Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth, or Beyond the Wisdom of Walt, Life Lessons from the Most Magical Place on Earth. 
and my course is available online, and I travel the country um, and the world uh, motivating and inspiring audiences to get up off of their park benches and make their life and their businesses better. I love that. Well, like you said, you can find him on social media and also online at thewisdomofwalt.com. Jeff, thank you so much, man. This was such a pleasure. We really thank appreciate you. it. And so wonderful. Follow, yeah. So please follow with Mice and Main Street Men on Facebook and Instagram. And there you can find links to reach both me and Sean. Thank you all for listening. And we will see you real, real soon. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. Jeff, thanks again, man. This was such an honor and such yeah, a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. So which question had a right answer? Mickey or Donald? Uh. Well, actually, <laughs> I personally believe that drinking around the world left or right has a right answer as well. Um, but yeah, Tristan knows. I just can't stand that duck. Yeah. He's, <laughs> He's an asshole. To work out. He's just an asshole. <laughs> and he continues to prove it over and over again. Yeah. Oh man. And I'm assuming in Epcot you start on the left and end in the right. Yeah. Yes. Although the Canadian pavilion is my favorite. It, it it's a great pavilion. And and it they introduced me to Blanche de Chambly, which I love. But I why would you plast get plastered and end up with a margarita you can't appreciate? <laughs> that is ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Oh uh, well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time, man. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care, man. Thank See you. Everybody. Thanks, Bye. man. Bye.